Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. It's my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And we're so grateful that you're here. If you're new, don't let the name fool you. We are not religionless, and this show is not religionless. We're quite Christian. But it's more the world, and especially this nation, that's become very secular, very religionless, you could say, and that, at least in part, is where the name comes from. Uh, so how can we live a life that's pleasing to God in a secular or religionless world? That's what we're going to be trying to help with today by looking at some stories from the news um, around the nation or around the world and uh, just trying to make sense of it from a biblical worldview. That's the goal, as always. Um, and today on the show, we're going to be discussing St. Gentili, the mother of whores, if you want to say uh, a C.J. Stroud and Amber Rose, and a look at some of the ponderings of Reddit Christianity. Uh, we got a lot to get to. It should be a pretty good show, a lot of uh, important topics to discuss, I think. But before we get to anything, do you have anything you want to say? Prayer requests, praise reports, anything of that sort? Let's praise God. Um, kids are driving, or boys are driving, and no accidents. Um, lots of scares, but praise God, we're safe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So just pray for continued safety with them learning to navigate the Albuquerque roads. Yeah. And also our boys got, they started their first day of real work. Yep. So praise God <laughs> for godly friends who gave our boys a chance. Pray that they don't blow it. That was my one stipulation to my friend was that I'm happy to let them work for you, but you have to fire them if they're not carrying their weight. You must fire them. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. He said the first day was pretty good. Praise God. So as far as for my prayer request, this will be your weekly uh, reminder, if you will. It has been for the last few weeks to be praying for the oppressed and persecuted uh, brothers and sisters in the faith. Um. And also a reminder that if you're like in missions work or you're a church that does missions, you need to reach out to Cardinal Contingency Solutions to get prepared before you head out into the unknown or these uncertain lands. So do you want to read this first headline in the vein of our prayer requests? Over 8,000 Christians killed in Nigeria in 2023. Watch dog estimates. Do you want to read just these first two paragraphs? Over 8,000 Christians were reportedly killed in Nigeria in 2023 amid a rise in attacks, abductions, and killings in recent years, according to estimates included in a report released this week by a civil society organization. The Anambra-based International Society for Civil Liberties and Rule of Law, um, an organization headed by Christian criminologist... Amika, can't pronounce her last name, sorry, um, that has been very critical of the Nigerian government, reports that at least 8,222 Christians were killed across Nigeria from January 2023 to January 2024. Yep. So, you know, Africa has always been a dangerous place for Christians, but it does seem that that danger is increasing. But you know, hey, right, we can always say at least we live here in the West, right? where our religious freedom is protected, at least so we're told. Nothing to worry about, right? Well, not so fast. Uh, do you want to read this headline? 
British police threatened street preacher with hate crime. Uh, hate crime charge for sharing Bible verses. And it says, uh, British police have escalated their actions against Christian street preachers in Uxbridge, Uxbridge, London, threatening arrests over allegations of hate crimes and violations of antisocial behavior laws. The crackdown follows the enforcement of a public spaces protection order by the London Borough of Hillingdon, aimed at regulating activities in Uxbridge Town Center. The Metropolitan Police targeted Christian missionaries, including Pastor Dwayne Lopez, for preaching from the Bible on Uxbridge High Street, the UK-based group Christian Concern reported. And this is going to feed into what we discuss later uh, in the show, but you know, don't consider your faith and the practice of that faith secure in the West. You know, our leaders anymore, by and large, hate your faith yep. because your faith places an authority above them, and autocrats have always hated that. It's still the same antichrist spirit. Yep. It's just the same everywhere. Yeah, They've that hatred is everywhere. Still hate it. Uh, so please don't neglect to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world and even at home here in the West. Mm -hmm. um, we're not suffering like they are in Nigeria just yet, um, but pray for them nonetheless. I'm sure getting thrown in jail because you were reading a Bible verse is an unsettling thing to have happen to you if you're living in the West. Who was it that said I wasn't counted worthy to oh, die Martin for Luther. the Lord? It was Martin Luther. Yeah. Are we going to be counted worthy? to suffer persecution for the Lord. Can we right, think of it that way? That's a good prayer to pray, you know, that Lord, help me to be worthy to suffer, yeah. to be willing to stand and suffer persecution for your namesake. Definitely a prayer we should be praying. So some good prayer requests there. Please be praying for the persecuted. We're told to pray for the persecuted. Paul instructs us to pray for the persecuted. Therefore, we pray. <laughs> so... Um, but that leads us into the news, so we'll get this thing kicked off with um, C.J. Stroud and Amber Rose. And C.J. Stroud, for those of you who don't know, is a rookie quarterback of the Houston Texans. He's a very promising young quarterback. I believe he won NFL Rookie of the Year, um, took his team to the playoffs, which was un uh, unexpected, to say the least. Um, but he's also a very outspoken Christian. And, you know, I think it was last week we talked about Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy, how their faith was kind of highlighted in that run up to the Super Bowl. Well, CJ Stroud's faith was also highlighted during the Texans sort of surprise playoff run. Um, so in an interview, uh, CJ Stroud said, and I have this article here from Chris, uh, the Christian Post, if you want to read some of these quotes from CJ Stroud. Okay says, for me, it's a lot of prayer, a lot of just knowing that God wouldn't put anything on me that I can't handle. He says, I don't deserve his grace and mercy, but he still gives it to me, and I love him for that. I think God made me like that. Um, he says, uh, he's been through a lot, not only in football, but things that made me just kind of chill when everything is going crazy. And he says, I thank God for putting that in me because that's something that you need playing in this position, in this league. 
yeah, I mean, all of that's awesome, right? I mean, I hope CJ Stroud's faith is firm in the Lord. And it's funny, if you read in here, it talks about, you pointed this out to me in the article, it talks about his dad. Oh, yeah. His dad uh, here says, Stroud's father, former pastor named Coleridge Bernard Stroud, is serving 38 years in prison uh, for a myriad of criminal uh, or illegal activities. And um, so uh, praise God for CJ Stroud that even in the midst of that sort of chaotic Christian environment. And obviously, based on those charges, I would venture to guess his father at that time, though a pastor, probably not saved. But he was young. He was in middle school. Yeah. When his dad did those things, got his sentence, I guess. Right. So, you know, but even still, all of that, plus the fame. And, you know, obviously, when you're a first round NFL uh, quarterback, first round draft pick in the NFL, like the kid's been getting adulation lobbed on him from a very young age. I mean, that would uh, make so, people be like, why would you hold on to your Christianity if that's what Christianity is? That's what you were taught. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we want to just lay that groundwork. I am very pleased with what CJ Stroud said, just as I was with what Patrick Mahomes said, right? We got a decent amount of pushback for our critique of Patrick Mahomes and the way he's leading his home. But glad with what he's saying. I hope his faith is firm. Same goes for CJ Stroud. Um, but recent news with CJ Stroud should concern us as Christians regarding the spiritual well-being and also the endurance of Stroud's faith. And I think also, and the reason we're talking about it is we can learn lessons from his life to help us walk uh, more, um, or walk closer, I suppose, or walk more um, righteously with the Lord. Yeah. So do you want to read this headline, honey? All right. CJ Stroud leaving softball game with Amber Rose sets internet ablaze. Yeah, I always love when articles tell you. I that, don't like, even like know who Amber Rose is. Well, you're reading in about her. Was so I'm going to yeah. tell you who Amber Rose is. So for those of you who don't know who Amber Rose is either, you're like, why do I care about C.J. Stroud and Amber Rose? Well, Amber Rose is an American model. Uh, she's a rapper, television personality, um, and that's according to her Wikipedia page. But that isn't quite right. Uh, she's former girlfriend of Kanye West, former wife of Wiz Khalifa, both of whom are, you know, well entrenched in the hip hop world and all of the things that entails, all the illicit things that entails. She's also the author of How to Be a Bad Female Dog. Uh, she's an Instagram model, which basically means she's an Instagram porn star, as well as a self-proclaimed atheist. So basically everything about Amber Rose screams, <laughs> this is a woman to run from. Um, this is a woman that C.J. Stroud should flee from, in the words of the Apostle Paul. And it's funny, not funny, it's sad, maybe, I guess, that people see the world this way. But this article tries and fails to voice the concerns that people had over this video that they saw, right? It sets the internet ablaze, and this is why people are concerned. So let me read why. He thinks people are concerned. 
says, now, none of what I'm laying out here is meant to trigger judgment on her. I'm sure Amber Rose might be a delightful human being. The concern Texans fans had was, okay, our hyper-focused quarterback is doing so well. Why this? Um, so his concern that he drew from this was like, man, he's really excelling in his profession. Why be distracted by Amber Rose? Um, maybe, but that certainly should not be the outcry. <laughs> the cry should be, this young man's soul is in peril mm -hmm. if he's dating Amber Rose. Because he was also in a suite that night with some of the Kardashians. Uh, or not that night, but at the Super Bowl, he was in a suite with the Kardashians. More people he should not be hanging around. Well, if he's a Christian, was he hanging out with them to share the gospel with them? It's just the motive. Well, Why? No stories about that as of yet um, that I've heard. Now... Amber Rose did come out and denounce the dating rumors. Um, you know, she said they weren't dating. It was just a one-time thing. He just took her home. That's it. Which I hope is true. But to the world, you could have a one-night stand, and that's not considered dating. Well, and that's so what I was thinking when I said, like, oh, he just took me, you know, here or whatever. Again, like, let's not kid ourselves to think that somehow you that need to be dating for her to sully his faith and his testimony. Because you know that's what the devil wants to do is just ruin the reputation of a Christian who can reach so many others and can steer others off the path of righteousness. Yeah. So why not? When it's like when somebody publicly um, tells everyone of their faith. It's like, well, then here comes temptation. Here comes a trial to prove yourself true. Yeah, and I I don't think it's a coincidence, you know, that C.J. Stroud comes out in this playoff weekend. He boldly proclaims the name of Christ. And then just a few weeks later, Amber Rose is sitting in the passenger seat of his car all alone. Um, and we did see video of him. Lee, let me see. I think I have the video here. Uh, if you're watching on... Uh, YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble, you can see it. Or if you're watching on Spotify, pro tip, we post our videos to Spotify. So even if you want to listen and watch our video on the podcasting app, it's there too. Um, but you can see them here on this video. Uh, walking out together, going to get into CJ Stroud's car. You know, so we can see there we've got video of them leaving together. But I didn't see any video of him actually dropping her off at the hotel, which is what she said happened. She said, it's no big deal. He just gave me a ride home or a ride back to the hotel. That was it. So, you know, it is what it is, right? That's what was said. But I think like we were just saying, you know, um, the more outspoken and bold that you're going to be for Christ, the more on guard you need to be in your faith. Um, Amber Rose is a temptress. And C.J. Stroud would do well to avoid her in one-on-one -on -one situations. And this goes for anyone desiring to live a public life for Christ, not just professional athletes. I remember we had a pastor years ago. We've talked about him before, Mike Fletcher, Michael Fletcher. Um, loved him as a pastor, but he always talked about whenever he would talk about lust or um, sexual immorality, whenever he would preach on those topics, he was like, I always knew that the temptations were going to come stronger. You know, I would have to be like doubly prayed up. I would have to have 
people around me, accountability partners to, you know, watch over me because I just knew when I'm publicly proclaiming against this sin, he's like, I know what's coming against me. And I, I don't think that's untrue. I think that's just wise and being discerning and understanding that we're in a spiritual war um, all the time. So the more public you're going to be in your faith, the more um, chances you have of incurring uh, or having, you know, the devil's eye turn towards you, if you will, right? Um, you'll be attacked and the amber roses of the world will look to lead you off the narrow road. She's not a believer. She professes it herself, right? So you have to be prepared and preparing for that. So yeah. you aren't betrayed by your lusts. I think it's important. Yeah, he even made it appear that he was in sin. Like he wasn't, like what if they weren't interviewed about it or something and everybody just assumed that he slept with her. It was just like you're doing an act that appears sinful even if you didn't go all the way with it. Right, and that's the thing you could say like, well, it's, no, this is nonsense. Like, I didn't do... Well, the reason the internet was set ablaze by it, as the paper said, is because that's what everybody assumed. Yeah. Everybody saw that and went, oh, brother, CJ Stroud is, you know, going the way of all the other pro athletes that date the Amber Roses and the Kardashians of the world. And their lives, you know, circle the drain after that, if you will. Um, and now some of you, right, may say like, well, this is innocent, you know, or hey, he was being a good guy or every supposed Christian's favorite response, who are you to judge? How dare you judge? Um, but let me just give you a scripture to think on. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, at least in the King James Version, which is the only version <laughs> to some, uh, but it says, abstain from all appearances of evil. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, so even the appearance of of evil can sully your reputation, but how much more so if he in fact actually gave in to this evil? Um, you know, so spending time around the Kardashians whose immoral relationships are extensive. Like he knows their reputation. Why would he as a Christian associate with people with an antichrist reputation? Right, and I, I imagine C.J. Stroud is a young multimillionaire has people around him, even at this game. I think this was at a like a celebrity softball game or whatever. Not being his ear, being like, "Hey, brother, I don't think that's wise." Uh, you know, you got a lot of money. Pay for a car service if you want to be a gentleman, um, or whatever it happens to be right. Because Amber Rose like the Kardashians, has a lifestyle um, of immorality that's publicly known, that's public knowledge. Um, and those are not good, and they can damage his testimony about Christ, and even worse, because if, he, if this becomes more than just simply an appearance of evil, but becomes actual evil, um, then it could put his soul in peril. So uh, it's something to consider. And especially, again, when you're, you know, a Christian who's a young, I don't know if he's attractive, women might think he's attractive, but he's young, athletic, rich, well-known, famous, like, there's a lot to entice people on there. You've got to be on guard. Mm -hmm. um, 
But this also leads me to another point when I saw this story because Amber Rose is 40, I believe. I was going to ask, how old is she? Because he's really young. He's 23. She's 40. I think the Kardashians have got to be near 40 now. Um, Hmm. So this other point, it might be crude and forgive me for that, but it's what I thought is, you know, virginity used to be something that men put high value on when looking for a wife or a partner. Is that still the case? Because it doesn't seem like it. Because like, you know, even throughout all time, even great men of the day, virginity was important. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't seem like that's the case. And I wonder why. Like the Kardashians, the Amber Roses of the world, they keep landing men of influence. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like CJ Stroud, I imagine would have no difficulty finding a beautiful, God-fearing wife of his own age that hasn't been um, a partaker of many, (laughs) like Amber Rose appears to have been. So I don't know why. Uh, And really, this isn't just about like rich celebrities. You know, this is something that we hear a lot. You know, you hear that... Uh, You need life experience. You need to date multiple people, maybe get a job, build some wealth, and then maybe you can get married. I just had somebody, if it was on maybe YouTube, a comment was like, you need to be, you know, dating for at least five years before you get married. And I think I responded, I was like, that's awful advice. (laughs) So if you've heard this advice or this sort of advice, Please reject it. Is that because you just don't trust the person? Like they think you don't know the person well enough until you're dating for five years? Like you have to be Probably. that cautious about who you're marrying. What if you date someone five years and you're like, no, they're not the right. Like if you don't know within like six months if they're like a bad person, like right? why would you not know in months time? Well, and this also leads into sort of the idea that somehow like – being married and happy with somebody has something other that to do than like your desire and willingness to work and be happy with that person. You can marry essentially anybody if you're willing to sacrifice, grow together, work together. You can like, there is no such thing as a soulmate that doesn't exist. You just find somebody that you like, that you want to spend time with, that you want to care for. And you just join together. Like, I'm not saying this to be like, I'm sure that Nikki could find other men in the world and be happy with them. I'm sure that if Nikki died and I was a widower for decades and finally stumbled onto somebody, like I could be happy with somebody else. The pro- I don't want you. to. <laughs> like That's the point of I being know. married for a long time is like, sure, I could be happy with other people. I don't want to be happy with them. I want to be happy with her. Right. I don't right. like the whole idea of a soulmate because then it's just kind of like destiny and you were just meant to be together. I like the idea more of like we're together because he chose me, even though we might not be compatible or whatever soulmates where we just never have a reason to fight for our marriage and stick it out, you know? Right. That's like- a more beautiful thing than just we're soulmates so we just get along and we yeah i mean i'll only speak for myself i knew i wanted to marry her after six months you know and 
that didn't take like, well, I don't know what side of the bed she sleeps on. That could be a, <laughs> you know, I, you know, all these stupid things like this is terrible advice, right? This whole idea of live your life, build some wealth, create, and then, you know, get married or whatever. Yeah. We have had um, fun starting, you know, with hardly anything. Yeah. yeah. And we had like, twins right away when I was in yeah. E3 in the Air Force. They don't make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> we spent a lot of our life not having a whole lot of money. Um, but but this is fine. not only terrible advice. It's ungodly advice. Um, yeah. The right advice, the advice you should be giving and you should be finding people to give you is stay a virgin until you're married. Get married at a young age to another young man or woman who has also maintained their purity until marriage. Yeah, but the world will be like, you date for five years, which means live together for five years, have a couple kids, um, like pretty much be married, but not be married. Right. And then after you get married, invest in your careers for a while. So you have the financial means to take care of a family. And then when you're, you know, 35 to 36 and the pregnancy's risky, then go ahead and have kids. Like it's awful and it's ungodly advice. Get married young, have a ton of kids, um, then work hard together with your spouse, build that large family. And the, the joy of it is building a life together, mm -hmm. you know, because that's what I, I think I just had a conversation with somebody recently where they talked about um, wanting to basically get their life in order before they got married. And I was like, no, that's awful. Because like, what if the way you've built your life isn't the way your wife would have wanted to build her life? And now you have like conflicting lifestyles trying to join it. Start your life 18, 19, 20, get married when you have no idea what your life is going to be. And then mold it together, right? The two become one flesh. It's almost like it's biblical. Um, <laughs> and build your life together. Have a two dozen kids. <laughs> um, uh, first off. That's a lot, babe. <laughs> the country needs it because our country is dying. Um, so do your part. But have a bunch of kids, right? And then just live life together and just figure it out together. Trusting in God, relying on God. That's the way. That's the best way to live your life. It's mm -hmm. God's way, so it's the right way. <laughs> and uh, I'll just give you a verse as well. This is a Christian show, by the way. Uh, do you want to read Psalm 127, verse 4 and 5? Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with enemies in the gate. Yes. Fill your quiver um, with children in your home. It'll be happy, joyful. And uh, at the end of your life, you'll have something worthwhile to look back on. Mm -hmm. um, because these blessings haven't stopped being blessings because we have 5G phones you know, Wi-Fi 7 and Uber, right? Don't let the world tell you what's right. Let God tell you, because um, he's not going to steer you wrong. The world most certainly will. Uh, so do you have any last thoughts on CJ Stroud, Amber Rose, or the appearance of evil? Nah, I usually don't have much else to say, I guess. I'll just say, because somebody's <laughs> probably going to say it anyways, you know, that I'm 
harsh on C.J. Stroud. I'm hopeful for the man. Uh, He's a good quarterback. I like his statements of faith. I don't know what his faith actually is, but I'm glad he's speaking it. I'm concerned for him, just as I am with anybody who gets... should be. Yeah, you absolutely The church is called to judge the church. And if he is a Christian, if we could talk to him, we would warn him the dangers of the people he associates with. Right. This is always the hard thing. Like The unloving thing is to watch your brother in Christ walk to his car alone with Amber Rose and drive off and just go, I hope they have a good night. No, you should be screaming at him. Because you know who she is. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I hope your faith remains strong, C.J. Stroud. Keep speaking boldly for the Lord. So uh, we'll keep this thing moving then. If you've got nothing else on C.J. Stroud and Amber Rose, and we will discuss Saint Gentili, the mother of whores. <laughs> but oh my uh, goodness, why are you saying it like that? Sorry, it's the mother of whores. It's just crude, and I apologize. But it's what it's called, right? I just. Got to be truthful. St. Gentili, the mother of whores. Nikki wants me to say it for whatever reason. But before we get to it, um, please take a minute to like the show if you like it. Consider subscribing or following, depending on whatever your platform asks. I think Rumble says to follow. Uh, Please consider leaving us a comment uh, or a five-star review if you're on the podcast. Those things would certainly help out. Uh, They all help us kind of get a further reach for our show allow new folks to find us. Um, And it's just really a very quick and easy way to help us out. Uh, Something we would absolutely appreciate. So please consider doing that. But all right, on to St. Gentili. Uh, Do you want to read this headline? And I'll just mention this first article I got from the New York Times, which I got to read the article, but I'm not a paid subscriber. So I can't show you the article now. So if you have the New York Times, the link will be in the show notes. Like all of our links are in the show notes. You can go check it out. Read it for yourself. I didn't make it up. It's all there. Uh, But do you want to read the headline? Mourning a transgender activist at a cathedral that once drew protests. Yep. So um, inside of this article, if you go read it for yourself, I pulled out two paragraphs. It says, um, the pews of St. Patrick's Cathedral were packed on Thursday for an event with no likely precedent in Catholic history. Side note, it will probably happen again. Back to the story, though. The funeral of Cecilia Gentili, a transgender activist and actress, former sex worker and self-professed atheist whose memorial functioned as both a celebration of her life and an exuberant piece of political theater says over a thousand mourners, several hundred of whom were transgendered, arrived in daring outfits, glittery miniskirts and halter tops, fishnet stockings, sumptuous fur stoles, and at least one boa sewed from what appeared to be a hundred dollar bills. Mass cards and a picture near the altar showed a haloed Miss Gentili surrounded by the Spanish words for transvestite, whore, Blessed and Mother, above the text of Psalm 23. Um, Wonderful. This is real? Oh, this is real. So how would the Catholic Church handle such a display? Well, leading them in prayer, of course. (laughs) Prayer of salvation? 
Of course not. Um, <laughs> That's not a thing. So <laughs> let's hear uh, this Catholic priest praying for this sex-working, self-professed atheist. <laughs> oh God, whose nature is always to forgive and to show mercy, we humbly implore you for your servant Cecilia, whom you have called to journey to you. And since she hoped and believed in you, grant that she may be led to our true homeland, to delight in its everlasting joys. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Could I? <laughs> so he prays for this uh, sex-working, transgendered, self-professed atheist. He called her a servant of Christ, servant. who's joined together with him in faith that she denounced. With all these <laughs> labels above Psalm twenty-three, none of those depict a servant of Christ. Those Well, as absurd as that was, wow. um, it wasn't the only um, person who had a chance to speak at this eulogy. Here is more of what was said on behalf of Saint Gentili, as they dubbed her. And forgive us, this as well is crude language. I apologize. So if you have young children, you don't want them to hear them, or if you don't want to hear it, close your ears for about 15 seconds. All right. This whore, this great whore, Saint Cecilia, mother of all whores. Boy, with friends like that, who needs enemies, right? Um, wow. So there's the eulogy saying this whore, this great whore, Saint Cecilia, the mother of whore. So what we weren't making it up. Um, said it because that's what they claimed she was. People so, are just insane. Oh, they're completely gone, right? I mean, it's been said forever. It almost seems absurd to say it still. We live in a R Romans 1 culture, and it's now taken over yeah. the church, right? Yeah. So how does this happen, right? How does a service like this happen in a Catholic church? Um, and here's another article. Um, do you want to read this headline? Backlash brews after church cuts transgender activist funeral at St. Patrick's short. And then it goes on down here. Let me see what I was looking. Yeah. Do you want to read this paragraph? In the, in the spirit of Cecilia's love and care, the community she served requests a public apology to heal from the pain caused to all those who have witnessed what has transpired in the days since Cecilia's beautiful homegoing service. Um, we hoped for better as we wanted to continue Cecilia's healing journey with the faith of her childhood. Under the direction of Pope Francis' call for a more open and inclusive church, we hope that LGBTQ plus parishioners and mourners won't be left to feel abandoned yet again by the faith that they still want to call home. Ah, so how does this happen? Sounds like they just explained how this happened. Now, I will just mention first Cardinal Dolan, who I believe is like the cardinal that oversees the diocese. Or I don't even know what the Catholic Church is, but Cardinal Dolan oversees something that has to do with St. Patrick's Cathedral. 
he did come out and denounce this whole event, but this was after it all happened. Um, and it still happened, right? So uh, remember a few weeks ago when we talked about Alistair Begg and why what he said was so important? And it was important because he was drawing crooked lines. And we talked about how important it is, especially in today's age. It's always important, but especially in a Romans 1 debased culture, that Christians draw straight lines. Yeah. Well, here is a result from Pope Francis, who himself is drawing crooked lines in his acceptance and blessing of the LGBTQ and trans folks who claim to be Catholic as well. Confusion abounds because supposed Christian leaders refuse to stand for the truth, right? This article says, under the direction of Pope Francis's call for a more open and inclusive church, we hope that the LGBTQ, like, they directly point to Pope Francis's statements and mm -hmm. like, what is going on? Francis just said we could be, you know, blessed and all this, and now you're kicking us out. What's going on? Why would they want to be part of, why would they even want to be part of a church? Because they want to mock the church, and Pope Francis is yeah. giving them an opportunity to mock the church. That's all I can think of, too. But the reason that this story stood out to me when I first heard it um, is because I don't think we grasp just how far gone this nation is. You know, we talk about it a lot, especially on this show, from a lot of different articles and angles, but I still think it's really easy to convince ourselves that it isn't really that bad. Like, oh, maybe we're one election yeah. away, and if we get my guy back, and then we'll get back on this, you know, whatever. We're like a girl in a abusive relationship. Yeah, he said he loved me, and he apologizes. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's going to get drunk and beat you again. More Leave him, promises, right? yeah. Like, I don't think we realize just how far gone our country... I mean, again, this was in a Catholic church, you know, completely sinful lifestyles proclaimed over Psalms 23. They're mocking God, mocking the church, calling her Saint Cecilia, the mother and of she whores. she was a saint. Um, complete mockery yeah. in the church. So... You know, it's easy to convince ourselves, but we want to be here as religionless Christianity because we love you and we only want to speak the truth to you. It really is that bad. <laughs> um, uh, let me just read two verses to you guys here. Well, Nikki, you can read the first one and then I'll get back to what I want to say. Do you want to read Hebrews chapter 12 verses five and six? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he flogs every son whom he receives. Yep. And then the second one, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 says, My son, do not reject the discipline of Yahweh or loathe his reproof. For whom Yahweh loves, he reproves, even as a, as a father reproves the son in whom he delights. So the... The Lord disciplines, or other translations might say he chastens those whom he loves. Mm -hmm. And I don't see a lot of discipline coming from God for America. Um, our wickedness is out in the wide open. It's blatant. It's in your face. It's in the church. It's aggressive. And it just continues to get worse and worse. You know, it's it was like... 10 or 15 years ago, what was it, 2008, maybe, I think, the last time, um, where, like, almost every state in the country voted against gay marriage amendments. 
less than you know 15 years ago every almost every state well, in the country it's a new generation they've brainwashed everybody right that's what i mean i mean 15 years ago every even california voted against gay marriage amendments and now today 15 years later we have states like washington that are passing laws that they'll take your kids from you if you don't affirm their gender identity. Yeah. Wow, things I mean, change fast. We had our Capitol building hang the pride flag from the center pillars yeah. of the Capitol building. Like we have entire denominations in this country, supposed Christian churches that are completely given over to the spirit of the age. Like the Episcopal church is gone. Uh much of the Methodist church is gone. Large parts of the Presbyterian church is gone. Much of the Pentecostal church is gone. Mm -hmm. And now we even see here the Catholic church diving off the deep end into depravity. And is the end in sight? I don't think so. Like, where is God's discipline on this land? I simply don't see it. I see it in the lives of individual believers. But on the nation as a whole, it seems to be absent. And, you know, we know God loves Israel. And when Israel, uh, whom God loves, would sin against him, they'd give into idolatry, whatever happens to be, God was quick to discipline them and lead them back. Now, currently, right, they've been wayward for about 2,000 years, but that's for a purpose. That's for the purpose of extending God's grace to the Gentiles. But in the history of Israel... God chastened or disciplined them to bring them back. But pagan lands, whom God did not love, they just dove into idolatry and God destroyed them. Right. And mm. we seem a lot more like a pagan land that God will destroy than a nation whom he loves and will discipline in order to correct. So, you know, maybe I'm just overly pessimistic, but I don't see the chastening. You know, I see the same godless leaders being reelected election after election. I see the church being ravaged by the spirit of the age. I see culture sinking deeper and deeper into depravity. And we keep thinking we'll see a rebound. But what we actually see is St. Cecilia, the mother of whores, honored in St. Patrick's Cathedral. <laughs> We're not seeing the rebound, and we haven't. And maybe that's for a reason. I don't know. I just see, well, I don't, I don't see promises in scripture that entire nations will be blessed by God. Um, we just see quite the opposite promised, like, like we're the salt of the earth and the light, but we will be hated by the world. Not our nation. I'm just saying Christians everywhere. Every nation will hate God, but his children will proclaim his name about the gospel. So our nation was once well off because it was founded by Christians who held you know, How dare you? God's they were morals. slave owners. Don't okay, you? I know. Oh I know that's what gosh, people are going to bring up. All right. Nobody's, we love our founders. Nobody's perfect, but yeah. Um, but they desired to honor God and be taught by his word. So I think our nation can't go back to that because it's so corrupted. But God's going to save who he chooses to save. Yeah. So our nation is like one of those pagan nations. Um, it's been infiltrated 
and people have brought up their children in the way of the world. So it will never, I know I'm being pessimistic, but it will never be like it once was. I don't believe it will. So like Jesus said in the parable of the wheat and the tares, um, you know, we have to wait. He says we have to wait until harvest. Um, the wheat will have to grow up with the tares. Um, so that's just the way it goes. We're not going to like weed out tares. We're not going to like, you can't just change everybody's mind to go back to that way of thinking because that's God's ways. The only way they can happen is if they believe the gospel. So the enemy sows his tares in every nation. Um, we can't do anything about it, but we can we can share the gospel and save those who have ears to hear. So people are saved by hearing the word preached. Um, so we can make a difference in how we choose to raise our kids so we can make some difference. It may not be for the nation, but the goal isn't to Christianize the nation. It's just to share the gospel and God does the work. He does the heavy lifting. We're just called to preach the gospel. And if God wants to change the nation, then sure, that'll happen. But it's not going to happen unless we're not sure, unless we're sharing the gospel. Right. So we're not going to we're not going to make a difference. You could say we God don't do that anymore. So yeah, I know. So maybe like you could look at it like God is working in a slightly different way today. Like he made, he made his name known through setting Israel apart. So all nations would know that he's the one true God and other nations would fear him. They would fear the Israelites. Um, so even back then people were saved. other people and other nations could be saved by believing what they heard about Israel's God. So the amazing miracle um, of God is just keeping a remnant uh, scattered in a city, keeping a remnant holy to him while we're all living among the heathen. Like that's um, because we're living scattered. Israel was just a nation. They were together and they weren't supposed to enter mingle, intermarry with the other nations. So we're, we're all lot in Sodom. <laughs> I know, right? So Israel was a nation that was known for belonging to the Lord, um, but we individually belong to the Lord. And he can bring glory to his name through one person who is living among worldly people. So yeah, that's the power of God. And he keeps his children by his spirit in them. Um, yeah, God forgave Israel over and over again. And he also forgives us when he disciplines us and we repent, turn back to him. So I was wondering um, if sanctification was mentioned in the Old Testament, like concerning Israel, because I was just thinking about how we are sanctified in our walk. But I was wondering if... I mean, I think you see sanctification. I think of, I mean, you know, Jacob who was the great deceiver. I mean, I don't know that it necessarily calls it sanctification, but he is the great deceiver who becomes a great man to, you know, and his heart essentially changes towards the Lord. I think Reuben, right. Doesn't he is the firstborn, uh, you know, isn't it Reuben and Tamar and like Genesis 38, that kind of weird intermission. I think it's, um, but I think, so I think you see sanctify sanctification play out in people's lives, whether or not but it's called 
sanctification back then, or it's right, just but, shown that they're being sanctified. Right, because when people were, you know, everybody was saved by Probably faith. one of those minor prophets that nobody ever pays But I guess I'm getting off a little, but Hosea I was just... somewhere, I don't know. <laughs> but were people that are still sealed by the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, but they, when they believe, like, you know, we have the Holy Spirit now when we believe, but... Was that something then for people who believed God's word? Were they? I mean, I don't know, because I don't I know. Mean, there were certain instances where the Holy Spirit was on somebody right. specifically, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, even I think, what was it Moses when he calls the 70 elders and mm-hmm. some of Moses's anointing felt, you know, went to yeah. them for a time and then left. So I, I think it was different. Um, I mean, obviously, it was different. Pentecost made it different, right? Everything yeah. changed at Pentecost. Um, it's just different. They, do, the way... they were sanctified. I mean, you saw it in their lives. They were sanctified. Right. People were always saved by faith. But the way God is working today isn't through a a nation. He's not making his name known through one nation. Like, that's why I'm just thinking, like, yeah, we were a great nation because we started out as a Christian nation, not because God chose America to be his nation like Israel was. It's just how it works. When you have a godly home, it's a blessing. When you have a godly company, God's going to bless it. Like it just, the sphere of influence, it just depends on who's following God or or the leaders following God. It's just it's a pattern, but it doesn't mean like we're God's nation. We're, we got to get back to where we were. We got to focus just on our own homes. Like how can you think of the nation turning around when people aren't even concerned about training their kids up in righteousness? Like you can't think beyond that. No, for sure. It's not a nation concern. It's like just get your kids saved. <laughs> like, And I know just, some of our listeners are probably like, Yes, dumb dumb. We've been telling you that for some time. I know, I know. We're slow to come to it, but um, I just, you know, and, and you know, we certainly aren't of the belief either that like somehow, you know, the church has replaced Israel in God's eyes, or you know, America is the no. new Israel, or any of that stuff. And we certainly don't believe that. But it's just, you know, um, I just can't help but see it the way I see it currently. And this story just, as soon as I heard it, I was just like, man, we are more far gone than I think we realize. And yeah, yeah, definitely. So why is this important to Christians? You know, we like to talk about that. Um, Well, I would say, let me kind of just first get out there that I am willing and happy to be wrong. (laughs) You know, I hope that God's not done with America because I do believe we are used for a reason. Um, to do a lot of good for his kingdom around the world. We can um, still do the good around the world, even though our nation is corrupt. <laughs> right. And, you know, I hope that he'll chasten us and turn us back from this kind of track of wickedness that we've been on. Um, but I just think that, you know, Christians are people who live in the real world. Um, yeah. We see the world as it really is. So we can't deceive ourselves and somehow, you know, think that like we'll return this nation to whatever it might have once been. 
um, there's a good chance that we don't return and we just go the way of many other pagan worshiping nations to the trash heap of history. I mean, there's a rise and fall of every nation and we haven't had a fall yet. Like, No, not yet, but I mean, we're probably falling. Yes. But that's not all bad. Uh, and that's kind of what I thought of when I thought of this is it's not all bad. You know, happiness, I've heard it said, and you've probably heard it said as well, is dictated by our expectations. So if we expect that America will will become what it was, you know, during the Great Awakening, then we're going to be constantly disappointed and angry with God. Uh, if, however, and we see the writing that's on the wall, and we maybe watch as God judges this nation for its wickedness, then we can worship God that he's being glorified in that righteous judgment. Yep. Um, in Christianity, while it might be drying up in America, it's thriving in other parts of the world. And maybe there too, right? We can humble ourselves as a proud Americans. We can humble ourselves and rejoice over the work that God's doing in these distant lands. And those are both reasons to be joyful. And like Nikki kind of said, we know that if we are individually children of God, then he still loves us. He will still chasten us, discipline us, and lead right. us back, even if the nation as a whole is no longer being returned or, you know, wherever it right. might have once been. So we still so I, have fellowship with other believers, like in other countries, secret churches and all that. And we like, can rejoice and we should rejoice over what God's doing in these places. Yeah. Even where, you know, like in Nigeria and China where they're suffering, but it's still growing. Yeah. Like, man, we can watch what God's doing and be like, yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, it makes people count the cost. Over here, it's like, what is the cost? It's not that severe. Well, and that's probably what leads us to the depravity, right? We are the rich person. Our stomachs are too full. Mm -hmm. You know, our, we're too comfortable and warm to really rely on God anymore. Whereas all these other people suffering, you know, they have nowhere else to turn but God. And that's a beautiful place to be. Uh, so what should we do about it? Uh, well, I'm not going to suggest that like, you know, joyfully watching God's judgment on this land and rejoicing over people in distant lands are necessarily my preferable option. I would love, and I do pray daily that God would restore this land, you know, that he would cast out wicked leaders. He'd raise up godly men and women. I mean, I pray that. I would encourage you to pray that. But Just praying for heaven? <laughs> well, you sure, certainly should pray to see eternity. We, it's because we long. Yeah, we long to be free of sin, to be affected by it. That's... Yeah. I mean, as long as we're here, no matter if our nation goes back to, you know, the way it started we'll still see sin abounding. It's not like we look back on the beginnings of America and we're like, it was free of sin. No, we're still going to long for better than that. That's the point. Like, how can we even compare anything on earth to what it's going to be in heaven? We're going to be disappointed no matter what. Like, turning our nation back to what it was in the beginning isn't the goal. It's not, because it was never completely godly. Like even the Israelites didn't have it completely right. It's no. just like our eyes need to be on heaven. Like no matter what, even if we turn the nation around, it's not, that's not it. Like you can go 
you can be better than that. And we're never going to have what it should be until Jesus returns. No. And um, that's the mindset we should be praying for, an eternal mindset. And, you know, but even, right, if God doesn't use this nation as he once did and all of those sorts of things we kind of talked about, I think we need to remember that we exist for God. Yeah. Um, it's not the other way around. God doesn't exist for us. God wills and does according to his good pleasure. So we just need to be on board with what God's doing and not, you know, whine and cry that God gets on board with what we're doing or what we're wanting to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think we should, you know, work regardless for God's kingdom and then just seek and s- serve the lost um, while we're here. Whether we're abounding in prosperity or we're suffering under oppression, we should still work for the kingdom as best we can to seek and serve the lost and our brothers and sisters in Christ till the Lord comes and gets us. Uh, Do you want to read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57 and 58? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Yep. Rather, this nation's prospering or faltering, your work is not in vain in the right. Lord. Um, so how should mm-hmm. we pray about it? I think we should pray that God would revive this nation, of course. I don't think we should just give it away. Um, right. But I think we're certainly in a revival or bust situation. So pray for a revival, but also pray that you would be submissive to God's will and that, you know, you would maintain in your faith and that your desire to seek and serve those lost would increase and that your love and devotion to the brethren would increase as well. I think Um, that's why we kind of have, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. It's going to be really easy in these years to come to separate yourself, point fingers um, ruin relationships, whatever it happens to be. And we need to guard ourselves against that. Uh, so regardless if God's going to revive this nation or not, we have much work to do for his kingdom. Uh, so pray that you would do that work diligently and joyfully. Yep. So do you have any final thoughts, any last thoughts on St. Cecilia? The mother of whores or the decline and fall you don't of America. Have to talk about that anymore. I would hate to disrespect the woman, man. I don't know what she was. Not a saint. Not a saint. Yeah, let's move saint on. Saint name only. All right. We have one more story that I want to want to get to. And I think this is gonna be a new thing that we try to do each week. Uh, and I will just say we haven't forgotten um our Bible topic, even though we haven't gotten to it in the last few weeks. Uh, it's really just because I haven't been able to devote myself to end time studies right now, just with all the other schoolwork and other study things that I'm devoting myself to. It's still our goal for the year. Um, although the more I read stories like this and come away with like, yep, things are getting worse. I'm like, yeah, I'm pre-mill. I don't know what I'm still doing all this work for, but we're going to do the work anyways. Um, But we will hopefully get back to that at some point in March. Um, But even when we do, we want Reddit Christianity to be a topic that we discuss. So um, that's what we're going to kick off today. But before we get there, let me just take a second to highlight the Christian podcast community. 
We are a member of the Christian podcast community. It's a great place to go find 50 to 60-ish Christian podcasts covering a whole host of topics. And the great thing is subscribe to one feed and you get all 50 to 60 podcasts in that feed. So it keeps your you know, podcast player clean and uh, you get a bunch of shows on a whole bunch of topics and you don't have to go searching for them. It's great. And we've been blessed to be there. So go check them out. Links will be in the show notes. But uh, Reddit Christianity, it's an interesting place. And I like it because it's a place that seems to encourage people to ask questions that oftentimes you wouldn't get asked or you wouldn't hear get asked in other places. And especially not like in a church setting. We don't hear stuff like what's on Reddit Christianity very often. Um, Now, to be fair, probably 75% of what you hear is I'm struggling with pornography or I'm having suicidal thoughts. But outside of that, you get some pretty interesting stuff. And if these are the questions that people are asking, we should be aware of them and we should figure out how to answer them. So our Reddit question of the week, honey, do you want to read this question? All right. It says, um, isn't raising girls to believe in male headship grooming? Uh, You can just read the Mm. whole thing. It's not terribly long. Okay. All right. Uh, Raising girls to believe in male headship means they're being raised to submit to their husbands who will have the final say over all decisions they make as a couple. Ergo, her voice doesn't matter or only matters as much as he decides it does. That means she will not be able to have any boundaries as he gets to decide everything she does by the simple fact that he only needs to disagree with her course of action and he gets to overrule her with his own. The only exception being sin, but that doesn't change that he can decide where they live, what she's allowed to do, where she's allowed to go, what job she's allowed to have, if any, and he will also have full control over all marital assets, which means she will only have access to any financial resources if he allows it. Ergo, she's being raised to be under the total control of her husband And that puts her in a situation where she's far more easily abused and exploited. Van liked the word ergo. Um, So all the instances that we can think of where women were abused, was that because they were submitting to male headship? Well, and that's what's interesting. Mostly like all the comments in here, and there's a lot, 426, and most all of them are like absolutely... Spot on, which is another interesting thing about Reddit Christianity. It's probably 80% atheists that are just there to bash Christianity. Um, And I do love this first response. Paul was writing letters to churches in the first century, not 21st century contemporary West. So it's, you know, back then in that time, it made sense. But now in feminist America, you can just just, say uh, everything in scripture isn't for us today then. Yeah. So it's, it's just funny. outdated. All I don't even it. know what they're using a translation of the Bible that is the N-R-S-V-U-E. I don't know what translation that is. But um I think this is a good question. You know, if someone's asking it, then odds are there are more people considering it. And mm-hmm. um so is raising girls to believe in male headship grooming? I would say yes, in a sense, it is, but that doesn't mean it's bad. You know, the root, the 
the idea of grooming or the word groomer is only really bad today because it's associated with pedophiles, which are bad. But, you know, we groom in other areas that aren't bad. Uh, it makes me think of, we talk about this a lot in like sports, you know, there's like a head coach that's grooming a replacement player, maybe a backup quarterback. He's grooming him for the job or a coach to take over. Mm -hmm. um, so grooming is kind of just like raising or training someone for a certain thing. That's all you're really doing. So it's not really bad. So yes, in a sense, we groom our children to adhere to the Bible, <laughs> which is what they're asking. Mm -hmm. um, so do you basically... Uh, raise your children to adhere to God's word or not. And every Christian should say yes. Um, yeah. But again, if you just kind of read through the comments, um, this is considered to be a very negative thing to do to girls. Uh, I did engage with one person on here. I think it might've been the person who made the post just to see their thoughts. And one of the things they sent back to me, you know, cause I basically told them like, it's not grooming, it's biblical, therefore it's right and good. And they came back and said, the fruit of these teachings is abuse. Look at all of Christian or Christianity's history. Legal domestic violence, legal marital rape, co uh, coverture, discrimination against women and girls in all facets of life. It's closer to sexual slavery than a loving relationship. Um, which, of course, I wholeheartedly disagree with. I don't know what he's talking um, about. So the point that I mentioned to him, I will, or them, I don't know if it's a him or her, but I'll mention it to you as well, was Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with, right? That tells us that women are to submit to their husbands and husbands are to love their wives. So I asked him, like, where in those verses do you find domestic violence, rape, discrimination, and sex slavery? So the answer is you don't. Those who are like, we don't adhere to the Bible because it's outdated. So husbands loving their wives is outdated. Yes. You don't love your wife. Uh, no, I don't know how they, right. That part's not outdated. It's just the submission part that's outdated because feminism, of course. Right. 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 Um, so again, my point to him kind of was like, you don't see that in the Bible where you see that is with sinners. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you see those things in marriage, rape, abuse, discrimination, or whatever they want to claim, you're not witnessing Christianity lived out. What you're witnessing is a sinner sinning against God and their spouse. Like this isn't God's fault. This is the fault of the person who has failed to obey God. Um, but the Bible is clear in these teachings. Male headship in the home is a clear teaching in the Bible. First Peter chapter three, verse seven, you see it. First Corinthians 11, three, I'm sure there's many other places. It's there and it's easy to see, but what isn't easy about this is accepting it in a feminist dominated culture like America. We're a matriarchy, feminism rules the day. So to tell a woman to submit to her husband, I mean, is essentially telling her to be a sex slave to her husband. You know, like, they're only that's not what it's saying. Thinking that maybe because that's the way they think about it. Like if I get to rule, this is the way it's going to Where do they get the idea from? Why name all those things off? Is that something you would do? Well, again, there are people, I'm sure, and to the uh horror of their souls, have used scriptures like these to abuse people. I have no doubt that that right. happened. 
Yeah. But that doesn't mean that God's word is abusive. Why are what they I mean? afraid, though, that this is going to happen? These are the same people who say, deep down, everyone is really good. Yeah. But then they're like, no, if you tell wives to submit to their husbands, that's going to bring out the evil in them. Yeah, if everybody's <laughs> good, you should have no problem submitting to them, uh, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But that's another point to bring up here, and it's one that I wanted to address reading this. Like, we in America, we have the choice to marry who we want. And this was, again, making me think back to C.J. Stroud and why are you with Amber Rose? And why don't we care about virginity and purity anymore? Like, so ladies, um, and I'll just talk to the ladies for now. If you don't want to be abused and mistreated by your spouse, marry someone that you can willingly submit to yep. because you know that they will love you and obey God. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. We don't have arranged marriages anymore. We're not sold off into marriages. So you we marry who we want to marry. Right. Like, like when we were young, we got married. I didn't really understand this scripture about male headship. Not that we had conflict or anything, but I, I never once thought, oh, if I submit to him, he's going to become abusive. No. <laughs> like I knew who you were and I felt like I'm comfortable. Like I, I was comfortable with you leading. I was fine submitting to whatever you said because I knew you weren't going to lead me in some way that was going to be harmful to me. And I knew you loved me. So I trusted submitting to you. Right. And that's what you should be doing. Don't just, I don't know, let your emotions and feelings lead you into some relationship. Use your brain. God gave it to you. I get he plays the guitar, <laughs> rides a motorcycle or whatever. Doesn't mean he's the right guy to marry. Does he love God? Yeah. Does he love his parents? Does, you know, these are the things to look for. Is he, you know, preparing himself to be productive in the workforce that he can provide for you well? These are the things to look, you know, look for in a husband. Um, like, is go find a godly man. Like, why would the guy that you're into, why would you marry him if he's already like, you're not working when we get married and this is how it's going to be? Then why marry him? Yeah. Why, you're supposed to, like we talked about this earlier, like, well, is this why they say you got to date for five years to make sure that they're not this weirdo? Yeah. You don't have to, if you, and you shouldn't, I mean, you should be knowing the person that you marry. By and large, I know that, you know, Tinder's a thing, right? And people have relationships that work, but like, you know, it just. How many of these instances are because into a marriage? he abused me? I always listened to him and submitted to him. It isn't because you're following this scripture that your boyfriend, usually they're not even married when right. this stuff's going on. This is outside of marriage. This is these people that who they they date for five years. They play house. These are the instances you see abuse. Yeah. And not to mention too, right? Like not that it isn't happening in marriage too. But women I mean, have a Bible. So even if you're unclear of what the Bible teaches and like, is it right for him to beat me and rape me? He says it's biblical. Well, open it up for yourself. And then you can be like, oh, I'm not dating or married to a godly man. I'm dating. I'm married to a spawn of Satan. I should get out of that. I should do something about this, right? And I'm not trying to put the blame on women. Please don't hear me that I'm telling that abused women are doing it to themselves. 
I'm just saying. Don't blame scripture. Don't blame scripture and don't get yourself into a bad situation. You can marry the right person if you use your brain and cry out right. to God and pray for a spouse instead of just being like, I love him. Well, why do you love him? What's worth loving about him? Is and if he, it's all things yeah. that don't matter eternally, then go find somebody else. If he's not somebody that you feel comfortable submitting to, leading your family, that he will love and care and lead in a loving way, then don't marry him. Simple. Very simple. Pretty simple. Um, yeah, I just... So this is not a bad teaching. You can call it grooming. Yeah, it's grooming in a sense. You're training them up to but live a biblical life. But you also teach your daughter what we're saying here. You don't just teach your daughter, you submit to your husband no matter what. No, you explain what kind of husband to look for. Godly husband. Like, look and you at- explain it to her that if they are abusive, if they aren't loving you the way scripture tells you to, if they aren't caring for you like Paul teaches, um, then you need to know that that's not God's fault. That's not the Bible's fault. That's your husband, or it could be your wife, right? I mean, men are abused and stuff too. Like they're not obeying God. Mm -hmm. And those who, and this is my point to him as well. Those who obey God and follow these commands written down to submit and to love, those are 100% good marriages. <laughs> you know, when they're both focused on serving God, when he's number one, the wife is submitting, the man is loving, because that's the thing, right? Well, if she submits, he gets to steamroller and do whatever he wants. Sure, but he's not going to because he loves her, right? You see the way that works, right? That's kind of the point. You submit to him because he's going to treat you well and love you, and he's going to consider you an equal, and you guys are going to work together um, to build a happy family, right? Serving the Lord. So it's you can call it grooming. Sure, that's what it's called. I call it biblical, and I call it right and good. It's what you should strive for. You know, Don't allow feminism to somehow tell you that women can have it all and female headship is somehow the new male headship because it's the 21st century. That's nonsense. Um, again, another one of the reasons why our nation is being ravaged and destroyed. Um, look no further than feminism. So interesting. I'd like these. Uh, I think they're fun to look at and think about and discuss. So we're going to try to do more of these Reddit um, Christianity kind of topics. Because again, people are thinking about it. And I would venture to guess if you have a girl in your church that's probably younger than 60, <laughs> these are things she maybe thinks about or talks about or has heard many, many times in her life. So you should be addressing these things or you know, don't steer away from it. I was just talking with my pastor today about this, that you know, one of the things for, that pastors should do is pray for boldness and um, before they go and preach. And part of that boldness needs to be that, hey, when I get to these topics like male headship in the home, that's uh, an unpleasant topic in modern American society. I need to have boldness to just say what God says unapologetically, right? This is one of Vodi Bakum's three warning signs. 
If your pastor is apologizing for scripture, flee from that church, right? So when you get to Ephesians 5, 22 through 25, and you say, women submit to your husbands, you say it boldly, mm -hmm. um, you speak that truth in love, you explain what it means, but you don't apologize. Oh, I know you don't want to hear this and it's not, you know, you cool in society. God's nope. word. It's always cool because it's God's word. So um, we're going to try to get into more of this. Uh, let us know what you guys think about this, this Reddit Christianity, because uh, I find it interesting. But uh, in that same vein here of biblical headship, I figured for our recommended listening this week, uh, we would go ahead and play one of our favorites. It's an old clip. It's probably shot in whatever is lower than 360p resolution. Um, I don't even know. This is the grainiest video I've ever seen. But it's Paul Washer, and he's talking. It's just a short video, six and a half minutes long, about biblical headship versus abusive men. So, um, you know, Paul Washer has a way of saying things pretty bluntly, not really soft selling it too much, mm -hmm. which we appreciate yep. from Paul Washer. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, if you don't believe what we say, go give a listen to Paul Washer and then come back and apologize to us. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> But otherwise, that is all we have for the day. Well, do you have any last thing you want to say on this? Nope. All right. Uh, mm -hmm. We will be back tomorrow with our daily or our family devotion on Genesis 8. If you haven't been listening to those on the podcast, please come listen every Sunday. We do the family devotion. And then Monday through basically Thursday, I'll be doing my daily shorts this week on Genesis chapter 9. And... Um, you know what's important about Genesis 9, right? The rainbow, where we get the, the blessing and the covenant from God of the rainbow. So come find us there. And then otherwise, we'll see you next Saturday with whatever the world throws at us, plus Reddit Christianity. All right, guys, God bless. God bless.